0: This is The Antidote with Dave Aukins, where Christian music doesn't suck. And the antidote is back with our first band feature of the fall season. Yeah, summer is officially over, and I've really been trying to ignore that fact, but today was just too cool. I had to dump the t shirt and the shorts and put on a pair of pants and a long sleeve shirt. So I guess I gotta settle into a taste of reality. You know, it's really funny how you can just chance upon a band sometimes, one that you really enjoy but sometimes it's the band's hard work that really gets them noticed. The indie alt-rock band, Author, connected with me through Twitter. I checked out their music, was blown away by their sound, and knew that I just had to ask them to be a guest on The Antidote. Author's vocalist, Trevor, was able to spend some time for a talk about their music and their new album, Of Brighter Days, which you heard at the beginning of the program with the song Extraordinary, and this band is extraordinary too. Enjoy our visit with Author and their music. Trevor Bartlett of Author joins the Antidote to share about their music. Trevor, great to have you with us.
1: Great to be here.
0: I understand your brother is part of the band, but who are the other band members of Author?
1: Um, So yeah, uh, my brother plays drums. His name is Cameron. And we also have Eric Moody, who plays guitar. And our new bass player is Blake Wooten, who plays bass. And... The one in the picture you probably see, and all the bass on the record, is Nate Washburn.
0: Whenever there are brothers in a band, I have to know something. Do childhood battles with Cameron still rage on? (laughs) Um, We we definitely
1: have our fair share of arguments here and there in the van and stuff like that, but uh, when it comes down to touring, as often as we do, I suppose, um, everyone argues at some point, so... Um, It's actually better with my brother because we always know how to resolve it because I've been living with him for, you know, 21, 22 years. And these other guys I've only been hanging out with for like four or five years. So it's much easier to to make up with my brother than it is to make up with the other band members.
0: With having your brother in the band, were you guys brought up like in a musical household?
1: Um, Yeah, very much so. Um, Both of our parents sang all the time, um... I was wooed in the womb with guitar and sang too, and all that. And my dad actually was a youth pastor growing up, and he um, would do worship music as well. So I very much grew up in that whole circle of things as well. So it's always been musical f- for us.
0: Okay, seriously, what does your dad think about your music?
1: Uh, he loves it. He's very, very, very proud of us, always supportive and with a PR mind, um, giving us positive criticism, but he's definitely not the overbearing musical father, which some people can relate with, I suppose. He's not the one that's like practice more or this and that, or that set was bad or blah, blah, blah. He's definitely more like, yeah, everything is so good, but like you could maybe promote this better, blah, blah. blah. So it's more along the promoting side, which is really helpful because he thinks in ways I don't think a lot of the time. So,
0: Well, curiosity-wise, what would your dad's favorite band be?
1: Uh, my dad's favorite band is Led Zeppelin, I believe, <laughs> uh, from back in the day. But he, he spans um, a lot of artists. Like, I was named after Trevor Rabin from Yes, um, like The Cure, The Police... That's some stuff I used to listen to, too, but that my dad would listen to. Now my dad's more hip than I am. He's more into, like, the Avett Brothers and Dawes, and um, there's a band called the New Pornographers, which is kind of like a dancey, electric band.
0: Yeah, you were talking about being based out of Minnesota. Well, of course, you know, Minnesota's got this reputation for Brutal Winters. Is it true?
1: Yes, um, it is. Pretty bad. It's not quite as bad as if you're living in North Dakota, but I think last year or the year before, we had over a foot of snow in May, which is very unheard of, uh, but it did happen. Most of the time, we get a couple of feet of snow every winter, but um, the cold is the worst thing. I think last year, it was getting into the negative 40, negative 50 range with wind chill.
0: That's nasty.
1: Yeah. Luckily, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia at the time, so it wasn't too bad for me.
0: From author's debut 2009 EP, People Are Alike All Over, comes the song Rest
2: i strung myself out again wearing myself in is I Just enough rest to get by. With just enough rest to get by. And I see clearer and near Finer and fonder things whispering to me far I can't see what I've become And I see clearer in here Finer and fonder things whispering to me With every ounce of myself i spread out So far I can't see
0: Ago, you spoke about time spent on the road. How many dates does author do in a year?
1: Um, this year, at the end of the year, um, we'll have done about 180 shows. This year,
0: that's wild.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, this year has been the busiest year we've had. Normally, we tour probably three months max in a year, but we just put out the new record of brighter days, and uh, this year has been the year we've been pushing it the most. Um, So that's kind of been our thing. Next year, we're still trying to um, plan for a heavy year, but we're trying to like redesign our, our tactic and kind of see what's best to do. Like playing often is good, but maybe playing less often will build your crowds. Or, you know, there's so many different tiny facets to touring that people don't think about that have to come into play. So we're trying to work on that for
0: next year. Author's been around for what, about five years now?
1: Yeah, just about five years. Me and my brother used to play in an old screamo band back in the day for like three years before that. And after that was done, um, we've been doing this. And yeah, about five years. Uh, me and Cameron pretty much the whole time. And then uh, Eric has been in the band three and a half years now.
0: What's been the hardest part about developing the band?
1: Um, I think... The hardest part about developing the whole band would have been um timing, I guess, and um like what you want from the band because when you're developing an idea in a concept, it seems easier to do hypothetically than it actually is. So like the same thing goes with music where, well, I got to get these committed players to play because at the very beginning it was just me and then I was like I got to I have to get these committed players, but I don't want to have to pay musicians, so I want people to be in my band. And then at that point, it's like you have to figure out who works creatively with you. And then there's the aspect of touring, like who can you stand being around for such a long time? And it's just such a different thing. So after years and and years, I think we've finally got it to be a much more comfortable touring band and, and band in general. I think that's definitely been the hardest part is fully putting it together and also kind of saying like, It's okay if it takes longer. In my opinion, the bands that make it really quickly don't have a lot of longevity um, in music. Like they might make a lot of money up front and they might be a band for like four years, but they won't be a band when they're 30 or when they're you know past that. Um, So for me, I'm just really trying to take it easy and make the smartest moves that we can make um, to try to create some sort of longevity and some sort of career. You know, modeling after bands like, I don't know, Grizzly Bear, Arcade Fire, stuff like that, where they've been bands for years and years and years. And some of those bands, like Grizzly Bear, didn't even catch on to the general market for like six years, seven years. So I have hope.
2: <laughs> I am the Shedding the light on what's to come Don't start it off in the dark Too soon you lose all of yourself and your hope
1: As I've grown older, I've realized how almost all bands, I'd say 95% of bands, take and copy from other bands.
0: Well, it's interesting that you brought up that point because everybody seems to like comparing one band to another. So I've heard the music of author being described as being similar to uh, Copeland and Mute Math. But I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts. Are comparisons a fair way of describing any artist's music?
1: I... I wish there was well there is an easier way just to listen to it I suppose but I personally don't like comparisons as much. I don't mind them. I'm not a person that's like, "Oh, can you just stop like comparing us blah blah blah." I'm honored to be clumped into bands like that for sure. Um, but for me, I think the easiest way to put anyone's music is just to let people listen to it and even better still, you know, a live show if that band tours or whatever because I know for us Our live show is a lot louder and heavier and um, grungier, I guess. Like Sonically speaking, the digital record is very clean and and produced, which we really love. But live, it's a lot bigger sounding. Um, I've always been a fan of trying to bring the live and the, the record to completely different points so that people have a reason to listen to both.
0: And do you find then ever that someone comes to a live show and can't stand it because it's not what they expected?
1: Um, Not yet.
0: (laughs) You're anticipating it, though.
1: Yeah, the only criticism live to a record, I mean, there's my dad where he's missing a few harmonies (laughs) here and there, and then the only other one is, uh, why don't you make a rock record like your live set? (laughs) And I'm just like, It is. It's the same songs. So, uh, just a couple people wishing that our our recordings were more raw, which I think that we might move towards a little bit, um, potentially with this next, next record. But,
0: yeah, I don't know. But it's interesting, because some bands are really almost destined to be a live band versus a studio band, where their studio recordings are fine, but their live sets are just so spectacular, you wish they had recorded everything live.
1: Yeah, I totally know what you mean. I've been brought up and seen that having a really great sounding record really helps you in the long run You know, with bookings or with gaining fans or people can listen to it. But I have noticed that some of my friends' bands that have worse sounding recordings, um, they just put on such good live shows that their shows are just packed because people are familiar with the songs, but they don't listen to a lot on record. And then they just like all these people show up at their shows. So... I mean, I do think that it's important to have a good sounding record as well, but I think there might be some truth in having a similar sounding record to what you do live. So, I mean, I think that is something that we're going to try to dive into with this next record.
2: Start forming without reason
0: Sweet track that was forget one of the new songs found on author's latest release of brighter days to follow back up on that point i was making earlier about comparisons it's funny about the copeland comparison because your first release people are alike all over was produced by aaron marsh of copeland do you think really that aaron had a major impact on the sound of author
1: um i do i think that on the first record he had a huge impact Um, Like I said earlier, we decided that we wanted to put together a bigger budget for a record and put something out that really sounded great. And People Are Like All Over was our first uh, release, so we decided to go all in. And we had, I guess, maybe six song ideas, and we had probably three of those completed with a couple songs on that record, Separation being the biggest one, which is the first song on that record. Aaron helped complete the song. Uh, Aaron actually played bass on the whole record, which definitely kind of influenced the way bass is in our music. Um, Aaron definitely had a big part in our first record, whether it was just adding in, you know, feels or adding in an instrument here and there. The Mellotron and Rest um, is a huge Copeland staple, I guess you could say. And we loved it, you know. There was never a moment when we recorded that record where we were like, we sound too much like Copeland. I mean, he's definitely known to put his Copeland touch on records that he does. But I I never think that's a bad thing. I mean, he's a great producer. He's a great dude to work with. And yeah, I mean, we loved the whole thing. We actually did a single, too, that kind of gets lost in the works in between the two records. That one, I think, sounds the most like Copeland of anything we have. But we were flirting with the idea of going that direction, but we ended up going more of like a rock direction, which I think we really like. So, yeah, we're definitely trying to stay away from that because we do know that people like comparisons and people like stuff like that. So we're trying to move as close to our own concept as possible.
2: Let it be known I will I want it farther away from me and who I hold dearly In who I hold dear I want this doubt out of my mind In this sun
0: talk about your new album, Of Brighter Days. You know, it wasn't until I listened through the album a few times that I started to realize that the songs are really focused on relationships.
1: Yeah, they are all relationship songs. The whole Of Brighter Days process was really interesting. Um, I I write about 90% of the lyrics, I would say. So I had written probably four or five songs, and They were all about, like, more relationships that that I've dealt with, like, with my parents and things like that. Um, Nothing too direct personal to my life, like my own relationships. And then we had finished up the whole record, and um, I ended up actually breaking up with the girlfriend I was dating at the time. And the whole record actually had wrapped around to being about her, and it's like this whole second meaning behind the whole thing, so... It's actually a super (laughs) intense uh, record when you know that kind of fact, but every song we decided to go with um, kind of a different feel from beginning of end to a relationship as the record plays, and in our vinyl that will eventually be released, (laughs) um, we have different images for every song of the record, and it all kind of flows with the idea of a relationship
0: yeah, because this isn't all about happy relationships. I mean, a lot of this is fairly dark. I thought everyone wants light, fluffy songs.
1: <laughs> I I don't know how to write a light, fluffy song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I wanted to try to write songs that sound a little less sad, you know, sonically less sad. But we definitely had like, a lot of darker lyrics and some darker metaphors and stuff like that. Um, I've always been a fan of bands that have music that sounds happier than the lyrics are. Sort of melancholy vibe. So I definitely wanted to try to take that on and, and try that out. Um, which I think really worked well. Uh, some of the songs on the record turned out way better than I had expected when we recorded them. Um, Find the Words being one of them, which is our last song on the record. That song turned out way cooler than I could have ever you know hoped for. But Yeah, I don't know. It was a wild, a wild time recording that record.
0: (laughs) Find the words. That has got to go down as one of the most melancholy tracks I've ever heard.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) I think.
0: That's not a negative. That's a positive. But it is interesting because most artists don't want to follow through and do something that is melancholy.
2: I
1: mean, I don't know if it was like my ignorance towards it, I suppose, It's actually funny you say that, um, that sometimes people don't like to follow through all the way with such a melancholy vibe. So the very end of recording, we did vocals the very last maybe four days, five days, and it was just me and Nate, our bass player. And there was a couple of times, because like I said, this is still before I had broken up, and I was singing these songs about a breakup that hasn't happened yet, and he's listening to me working out lyrics and working out melodies. And he's just like, are you sure you want to say that Trevor? And I'm like, yeah, why? And he's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So he would just let me go with it. And I think I even didn't know exactly what I was writing at the time with some of the songs for sure.
0: So effectively you you were resolving your own relationship through the music.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I guess I was.
2: Stuck in my head, it's all. E
0: Well, I think that's confirmed it for me. I think Find the Words is the most melancholy song of all time. Well, let's head back to Trevor for more of our talk about the song. What kind of a statement were you trying to make by f- having Find the Words as the closing track of the album?
1: Um, I've always been a fan of the melancholy vibe, and it was partially a playability thing where I was like, I really want people to listen to the record more than once, and if it ends sad then maybe they'll listen to it again um and also for that fact the record does have good and bad in it relationally i wanted people to know that stuff can end poorly but it's not always the end it's not always a bad thing because if you listen to the whole thing of find the words it's overtly down and um kind of sad but there is a certain aspect you know throughout the whole record and partially in that song of knowing that there is hope and there is more that you know can come and that's kind of what we wanted with the musical the lifts and the the vibe with that song too which i think turned out really great this is trevor from author and you're listening to a brighter days on the antidote We had such a small audience coming into this record, you know, a little backstory before Of Brighter Days. We have been a band for such a long time, you know, People Are Like over came out in 2012, and so we're putting out Of Brighter Days in 2015 that has a lot less anticipation than if it came out in 2014 or even 2013. So for us, we were just kind of like, we just want to write a new record that's good and that we like. And who cares what it sounds like, really? You know, we self-produced it. We recorded and engineered it ourselves. um, Well, our bass player did. And then we had someone mix it. So it was a very personal and a very, like, untouched record.
0: How did that work out? You go from having Aaron Marsh, who is known as being a producer now, even more so than he was known as being part of Copeland, and then you had your bass player doing the production. It's a smooth, polished album.
1: Yeah, thank you. He, I mean, he does a great job. Um, so a background on Nate, I guess. Nate um, and my brother, Cameron, played in a band called Blank Page Empire for a while. So he worked with Nate. My brother and him got to work together for a while. And they recorded like two records. And the stuff sounds really great. And so they had this history of working together. It ended up working out really great. Nate's very hands-on, and he has tons of ideas, which is great, and he's also not afraid to, like, yield his ideas. I mean, if I'm struggling connecting a verse to a chorus or something, he'll have three ideas in 15 minutes, you know what I mean? And so he's just, like, one of those musical-type prodigy guys that's been playing guitar since he was, like, eight years old. And so for us, it, it was really great because... um he kind of got him and Eric at the time were like, they understood the fact that it is a whole band and we are a band. um, But we almost always base the ideas around like me and Cameron, you know, me and my brother will come up with some concepts and then Nate and Eric come in with the finishing touches. And um, so with that being said, it was like a very easy thing to do. And it was just a blast. The hardest part was how little time we had in the studio. We were, well, we actually didn't have a little amount of time. I think we were in there for two and a half weeks, but which is another interesting fact. We felt rushed because we had to finish a lot of songs in the studio.
0: <laughs> Talk about stress.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that first song, Fiction, on the new record, I wrote all of the lyrics and wrote all of the melodies at 4 a.m. on the last day of recording, and we had to be done by 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And it's an awesome track.
1: Yeah, I I don't mind it now. I hated it at first, actually. Um, I was like, this is so weird and not me. And then I ended up liking it. and Yeah, sometimes stuff like that needs to happen to get some interesting outcomes, I suppose.
0: love the instrumentation variations on that song. Fiction from author's new album of Brighter Days. Thanks for listening to The Antidote on Trent Radio 92.7 FM. I'm going to give you another reason to stay up too late at night. The Antidote Archives begins airing Tuesdays at midnight on 3hourradio.com. We're going to go into a time warp mode and give you a chance to find out what you've missed out on during the past four years. So get set to hear some classic episodes of The Antidote. Be sure to check it out. It's beginning October 6th at midnight on 3R Radio. Over the summer, I had a chance to meet with my epic. Love this band. During next week's episode, we're going to hear their mix of post-hardcore and rock, and I'll be speaking with the band members. You'll be able to find out for yourself just how epic this band really is. And I've got a tease for you for that show. We're going to reveal a connection between this band and the name of this program. Well, we still just got a little bit of time left for the antidote. We're going to head back to a few last thoughts from Trevor of Author and hear their single, To Dream. And we'll see you next week. Got another question for you, Trevor. Last year, Author put out a single called To Dream. What would be the greatest dream for the band?
1: The greatest dream for the band, um, <laughs> probably just to do what we're doing now, um, play to more kids that care, <laughs> that sounds a little weird, so I'm not saying that our fans and people that come to our shows don't care, but I would love to play for a crowd, you know two hundred plus kids that really care and you know know the words and and stuff like that and I guess longevity and having this as a career would be such a huge blessing and such a great thing for all of us. So that would be, I think, the biggest dream is just to be able to, to be self-sustaining from from author and from writing music um, and just kind of sharing our lives with people. That would be probably the collaborative biggest dream.
0: Well, is your chance to help everybody out because when I googled author online, I had a great time finding books and writers, but how in the world do you get your music?
1: Yeah, so we've connected everything to weareauthor.com and w-e-a-r-e author, like authorofabook.com and it's all off of there, our Facebook, our Instagram, all of our links, everything. Um, if you search "we are author" as one word, you can find us pretty much anywhere.
0: The Antidote has been here with Trevor of Author. Man, it's been really cool speaking with you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having us.
0: And thanks for the good music.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for hearing it. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah. T-